1: we go to the Range Brothers RV phone line now we welcome in a long time coach at all kinds of levels college to the NFL and back again a two time national champion and a guy who coached uh, under Sam Jankovic was the AD at Miami Dennis Erickson joining us and uh, Coach Erickson we really appreciate you coming on with us and talking about uh, the life and times of Sam Jankovic who was a Montana original a Butte guy who ends up at the University of Miami during one of the most uh, remarkable and memorable runs of any sport, any duration, any time. Talk to us about Sam. What do you remember about Sam Djankovic, again, who passed away just yesterday at the age of 85? What uh, What do you recall about him and your dealings with, with him?
2: Well, I mean, if it wasn't for Sam, I don't know where my career would have ended up. Uh, obviously, uh, he, he was a defensive coach for Jim Sweeney when I was playing at Montana State. And then... Uh, you know, I went to Washington State. You know, as an assistant coach, and he was assistant coach with my dad. So our relationship has been going on for almost fifty years, and and uh, and then Sam, uh, of course, got the athletic director job uh, at Washington State. did a great Did a great job there, and uh, he uh, moved on, of course, to the University of Miami, as we're well aware of it. But he, he's one of my closest and dearest friends, and. He hired me at the at the University of Miami and gave me the opportunity to coach there and and uh, that was obviously a big break for my for my career.
0: Sam made such a great career out of being an administrator athletic director. He mentioned his time at Washington State and Miami but he started first as a football player and then as a football coach and you mentioned when he was on Jim Sweeney's staff but before that even he was the head coach of Butte High School led Butte to two. Uh, state championships what do you remember about him as a coach what kind of coach was he
2: Uh, i mean he was a motivator he was tough very disciplined on what you did as a coach uh i mean as a player obviously i knew a lot of the guys that played for him at at butte high school i met him when i was here at montana state and and uh uh, he was tough i mean if you didn't do the right things you weren't going to play and And and, and as you know Butte, like I know Butte, you know, they have a lot of pride in their program, and he was a big part of it.
1: You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, even going to Idaho, Wyoming, Washington State and so forth, and he is trafficking a lot of those areas as well. The leap to South Florida seems like a pretty substantial one. What was it that got Sam to South Florida in the, in the beginning? And why, as a guy from Butte, America, of all places, was he able to be the one who could be so successful and sort of make something that was so, so sort of bombastic and boisterous, but also so great as was the football program there?
2: Well, I mean, they were looking for an athletic director. He did a tremendous job at Washington State. Uh, people don't even realize what he did there. I mean, he was amazing. Uh, he uh, did so much of the facilities and all that stuff at Washington State. Same thing uh, that he did at, uh, at the University of Miami. Because when he took that job at the University of Miami, Miami was not easy. You know, he had to start basketball. The facilities were subpar. Uh, football program was starting to be good he hired jimmy and then i was fortunate that he hired me and and uh, but not just the football program he he built the whole athletic department and uh, and did it the correct way so uh you know you talk to people back in miami and and he's he is a guy that really started building that football program and and, and any of those programs
0: so interesting, this, the influence that Butte in general has had on college football. You mentioned guys like Jim Sweeney, but also uh, I know Sonny Lubick was a guy you worked with for a long time, too. What about Butte? How, co- how come Butte has had such a, such a huge impact on college football over the last half a century?
2: Because when, if you're from Butte or been involved in Butte football, whether it's at Butte High or Butte Central, I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, Butte is a very tough place if people are tough there uh, the kids grow up tough uh, they've got a lot of pride in the game of football they've, they've had great coaches there for for many many years and uh, I played with some like I said before and it was a, a rude awakening for a guy coming from Everett Washington and and those guys <laughs> from Butte became my best friends believe me he uh, and, and Sam was just part of that part of that town I mean like you say you go to sunny you I mean, there's so many of them. You can, you can go back many years and you look at the great players that played there and the uh, Ray Beckys and, and the people like that. John McElroy, who, who I played with. And you can go on Ed Kelly. Uh, you can go on about all those guys in Butte. And that's just kind of how those people were raised. And uh, they won a lot of football games at both Butte, Butte High and Butte Central. And a lot of them continued to play in college. And then, obviously, a lot of them went into coaching. You talk about Jim Sweeney, who was my college coach, and then, of course, Sam, and you can go on and on. Sonny Lubick, who I worked with for a long time. You know, the greatest coaches I've ever been around came from Butte.
1: Dennis Erickson joining us, a new inductee into the Hall of Fame, football Hall of Fame, and also, uh, obviously, a longtime coach, both college, NFL, uh, uh, all throughout. And, Coach, I want to talk about your time at Miami through the lens, though, of of Sam Jakevich, you, you while you were there, that program had been built into uh, a, a monster, and where there was as big a spotlight and as much hype and focus and eyeballs watching that as as any could possibly be while you were the head coach. How did you navigate that, and how was how did Sam help you in those days to, and during that time to do that? Well, I mean, it
2: was it was not as easy a job as you think. Right. I mean, a lot of times you go you go into programs. And I've been to a couple where they hadn't been winning, and you turn it around and get it going, and uh, uh, that's a heck of a lot easier than going into a program where Hells uh, Howard Snellenberger was the coach, and I followed Jimmy Johnson, and they've been wa- been winning and so forth. And you know, to go in there and keep it at the level that it, that it was at, and ended, uh, and it's still like that. But uh, it, it that was hard. And uh, the biggest thing I could say is don't change anything. You know, don't fix something it doesn't need to be fixed. And uh, I adjusted to how they played. I adjusted to, to the, the kind of player that was there. I learned a lot from them, maybe more from them than they did from me. You know, the people in, and players, particularly in South Florida and that area, that's all they care about is football. It's a, it's a religion to them. And if and you can get them going all in the same direction, which I was able to do, uh, it, it really made a difference. And obviously Sam, Sam helped me. Uh, Because he'd been there for a while, and you come from Pullman, Washington, to Miami, Florida, it's a little bit different (laughs) atmosphere. Believe Right. there's no South Beach that I remember in Pullman. (laughs) Maybe down at the river, that's about as close as it got.
1: You know, tell us about that a little bit, because, I mean, it's easy enough, I guess, to assess sort of the cultural dynamics and the weather and everything else, but what what was the, maybe the most striking difference to you, maybe something you didn't expect when you went from Washington State and Pullman and the Palouse to South Beach and the University of Miami?
2: Well, everything was different. I mean, the atmosphere, uh, the town itself, uh, you know, the people that were uh, diversity, uh, it was in Miami, uh, uh, just a lot of different things. But the biggest thing I, I saw probably football-wise is what I just mentioned and it, it just how much they loved playing the game. And they did it every other place I've been. But the way they practiced, just, you know, things like that. I mean, it was the number one thing in the city of Miami. You had the Dolphins and the Hurricanes, and, and that's what it was all about. And and in those days, you know, there weren't four-star to five-star and, you know, all that stuff as far as recruiting is concerned. So, most of the guys in South Florida, uh, you know, stayed in South Florida, and we got a lot of players that wanted to come to Miami just because it was Miami, and, and uh, control, controlling the players wasn't that hard. They just wanted to win. Uh, if they knew you were going to teach them how to be successful, they listened, and I, it was the greatest six years I had in my life coaching. I, it was really fun. and you know, Sonny Lubick was with me there for a couple of years before he we went to Colorado State, and we talked about it a lot. I mean, it would just, uh, we learned a lot about just different things in life. I mean, you're in Pullman, Washington, you're in Moscow, Idaho, you're in San Jose, California, you're, you're wherever. Uh, Miami's different than any of those places, but, but I learned from that, and I, and I think I brought a, a lot of things to them, too.
0: You mentioned when Sam took that job. Miami has risen to such a a level of prestige, and I think people take for granted what it was before that level of prestige hit in the 80s. What characteristics of Sam's made him be the guy that that helped him be such a good administrator to lead Miami into a new era and become what it became?
2: Well, he he had a great vision. That's why he took the job. When he took the job, it wasn't the easiest thing in the the world. Now, everybody looks at the football programs and and those things, which – you know, he helped build those. But the other things he did, I mean, facilities, uh, they start, restarted a basketball program, a track and field. You know, all those different things in the facilities that he built when he was there uh, were unbelievable. The thing about sammy he was 24-7. I mean, he worked hard. And believe me, he told you what he thought. And he told me that a number of times, particularly after the Cotton Bowl. But uh, he, uh, he uh, was a guy that had a vision uh, wasn't going to take no for an answer, and, and all of a sudden there was a lot of success in those programs, and it just kept building and building and building. And, and when he left, uh, it took a part out of all of us. And uh, you know, he left, went to New England, you know, as a general manager. And uh, you know, we had a lot of different, a lot of different athletic directors after that, and different presidents and so forth. To keep that thing going was was not easy because he built it.
1: With uh, such a high standard, Dennis Erickson joining us, uh, talking about Sam Jankovic, who's in the Montana Football Hall of Fame, is one of uh, the the great national. Uh, names and figures in college football throughout the 80s and 90s and uh, he passed away yesterday at the age of 85 and coach we certainly are sensitive to the fact that this is not just a professional relationship but a personal one to you and so we certainly think of, of you in this time and tell us about sam a little bit on that personal level we've talked about him as a as a coach as an administrator as a you know a tough butte guy and all that but what was he like just as a as a as an individual as a human and as as a friend to you
2: I mean, he was unbelievable. You know, how, how he took care of coaches, uh, how he took care of players and how he took care of the families probably jumps out at me more than anything. And I knew that all along, but Sam was always, you know, coach would come in. I mean, he, he'd help them get adjusted with the people in Miami. Uh, he took care of kids, uh, took them to games, had them on the sidelines, you know, things that you didn't see a lot in, in those days. And, and, uh, uh, Sam was so personable. He took care of families because he knew that, you know, that we as coaches were going to spend a lot of time. And he wanted to make sure that the families were happy as well as, well as the coaches.
0: What we remember about him most?
2: Just how he dealt with people and how, how, his personality. I mean, Sam was a bulldog man. He did not take no from an answer, whether it was a somebody, you uh, know, in a, a ball selection or. The president of the university or assistant athletic director, or, you know, people all know he was involved a lot in the NC2A uh, when he was an athletic director. So he, he was in lo- involved in a lot of the changes, or some of the changes, I should say, that have happened over the years. Not quite like now, but uh, he, he was involved in, with a lot of changes. But he's a bulldog, and uh, he'd, give you, he'd give you room to do the things you wanted to do but you better get them right, and that's just how it was. And uh, I had a great relationship with him. I knew him, but I'll tell you what, if you didn't know him and you came in and you didn't do something right, watch out, man. You're going to get the part of your rear end going to be gone.
1: <laughs> right. Well, Dennis, uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us. I know you know uh, a, a melancholy day uh, for you in in the loss of your friend yesterday, but we really appreciate you kind of revisiting some of those memories and uh, and keeping those alive. Enjoy. I know you're in Bozeman for the Montana State Southern Utah game Saturday, so enjoy your weekend out there. and We certainly appreciate you taking the time uh, to reminisce about your boss and friend Sam Jakovich.
2: Well, he's a, he was a great man. I'm going to miss him and nice to be back in Bozeman and hope those Bobcats can get it done on Saturday. There you go. Well,
1: you know, Coulter and I were experts on this now, Coach, so we think they're <laughs> going to get it done if that's any uh, solace to you there.
2: I don't know if I'm any kind of an expert, but I believe the same <laughs> thing. So that okay. makes us all experts. There right? you go. Exactly.
1: That's right. It a, lot easier to be a, a
2: lot easier to be an expert on the radio. That's <laughs> what I like to do now.
1: That's right. Well, you're welcome anytime. You know, you can <laughs> okay, shots with you. us. All right. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Coach. Dennis Erickson joining us, Hall of Famer, inductee this year, actually, into the uh, College Football Hall of Fame, so uh, uh, congratulations to him. Been a long time coming, and I mean, who's had more stops than him? I mean, Idaho, Wyoming, I think San Jose State in there a little bit. He was a grad assistant and assistant coach at Montana State, obviously played there, and then, you know, all over, Washington State, Oregon State, Arizona State, Miami, of course, the Seahawks, the 49ers, a couple years with the Niners head, man, so... uh, Good gracious, he's been he's been all over the landscape of uh, football in the United States for the past three four decades. Great to have him on, and obviously, Sam Jakovich not nearly as well known uh, as 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 a guy like Dennis Erickson would be. But Dennis Erickson, I think, you know, holds a guy like Sam Jakovich in such high esteem and regard, and as you heard, credits him hugely with with what his career ended up and turned out to be.
0: I mean, Dennis Erickson. You'd be hard pressed to find a guy who was a multiple-time Coach of the Year in three different leagues, right. in Three different decades. It's not even possible. I, I don't. I mean, when you say hard
1: pressed, I, I, I don't think I don't you know could find there one. is such a thing other than him. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, but
0: Sam Jakovic was the one who set the table, and we, you know, we talked about the coaching lineage that comes from Butte, and so much of that stems from Sam Jakovic and Jim Sweeney. Those are kind of the Godfathers of the modern day tree. Like Those guys, you know, Jim Sweeney was the head coach of Montana State when they entered the Big Sky Conference in the early 1960s, and him and Jankovic coached together, and then that launched Jankovic and then that matriculated all the way down to Dennis Erickson, but also Sonny Lubick and so many of these other great guys with Butte roots and Montana roots. And uh, I just find it so cool that the U, the most notorious college football program ever, has roots in Butte, Montana. What a thing.
1: I mean, it's... It's, it's stunning until you think about it for 30 seconds and then it's the most obvious thing in the world. And you go, well, of course, it would be some guy from Butte going down to, you know, South Florida and just gunslinging, you know what I mean? It's just, it's uh, it's it's spectacular. And we certainly... Appreciate, Coach Erickson, Coach. I just want to ask you just one quick question, then we can move on. But you uh, spent some time with, with Sam Jankovic yourself personally, and you interviewed him for the Montana Football Hall of Fame a couple of years ago that he was, you know, inducted into, and that you sit on the board of. What was your impression and experience like with Sam Jankovic? and and is obviously on the back end, looking back over uh, a, a career.
0: Well, it was definitely one of the thrills of my career. I had known about his background and the influence and how much reverence people around the game of football throughout the country had had for him. Uh, but he's a great orator, a wonderful storyteller, and a very sweet man. And um, he told me this great story about how his dad was working in the underground mines. They used to have underground and open pit mines. and mm. His dad was working underground, and he said he went down there and worked one day when he was in his teenage years. And he said, I can't do this. I'm not, I am not tough enough to do this, which, you know, come from a guy who was, played for the Grizz, was in the military, was a football coach, you know, was around tough guys his whole life. He, it shows you how tough you got to be to be an underground, underground minor. And he said, that was one of the things that motivated me was just trying to figure out how can I be around guys like this that have similar fortitude, but not have to be breaking hard rock underground. And that right. was what led him to football. Um, but just hearing stories about what Butte was like back then man I mean it's just, it's one of the most fascinating places in the world because you have this place a mile high and a mile deep as they say you know and, and the the diversity that existed there was unparalleled at the time in the West especially you know in the late 19th century into the turn of the 20th century you had all sorts of people from all sorts of places all over the world honestly trying to make it, trying to make it rich and the culture and the history and the attitude, the butte tough that everybody always talks about. it still, it still lives on and resonates to this day. And Sam Jankovic encompassed that too. you. Know, he, he's the guy like Dennis said, you know, he's the guy that you don't want to be on his bad side, but he's also makes you feel like he's your best friend when you're talking to him, just a good old boy. And uh, it was a great to, to get to know him just for that brief moment in time. And, uh, a life well lived, certainly. Uh, he will be a guy that impacted
1: a ton of people in his life and a guy that will certainly be missed. If you're watching on SWX television or on uh, the YouTube channel, by the way, it is by no means lost on me that we've had one of our more somber segments about a a, a life and a death of a, of a legend in Montana sports with one of the most high-profile guests we've ever had, and I am dressed like a cartoon character <laughs> Okay, like Ralph from Wreck-It Ralph on Halloween. Yes, I'm aware of the the not-so-subtle irony of all of this that has been taking place and what I look like at this moment. Forgive me. My four year old ta- daughter told me that this is how it was going to be, and all you fathers know that you have no choice in the matter at that point. That is what it is. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Coulter. Bunch of state championships on the line outside of football at the high school level. We'll tell you about them. Who's been great this year next.
0: You know, guests. the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula hotel that truly offers something for everybody.
1: No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport. Easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides.
0: That's right. They got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere.
1: Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that.
0: They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests.
1: The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call, very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000, the best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport.
0: Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not.
1: ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good afternoon, Ryan Tutel, Colton Juanas. Here is some sports news for you. Sam Jankovic, one of Montana's most legendary sports figures over the last half century, passed away at his home in Hayden Lake, Idaho on Wednesday. He was 85. The former Butte High football coach is the only coach in the mining city to lead the Bulldogs to multiple undefeated state championship seasons. He did so a few years after finishing his playing career at the University of Montana.
0: Jankovic earned his most prominence as the athletic director first at Washington State and then at Miami. Jankovic hired Howard Schellenberger, Jimmy Johnson, and former Montana State quarterback Dennis Erickson. Each of those head coaches led the Hurricanes to national titles between 1983 and 1991.
1: The Montana women's soccer team are regular season champions after beating eastern Washington with a stingy defense one nothing yesterday. Ken- Kendall Furrow scored a header off the corner kick within the 78th minute to decide uh, which was the deciding goal, and Claire Howard made one save during her UM record 26th career shutout.
0: Montana finishes the regular season 6-0 and three. Four of UM's six wins came by one-nothing margins. The Grizzle play in the semifinals of the Big Sky Tournament next Thursday, 3 p.m. Their opponent
1: yet to be determined. And finally, the Washington Nationals are the World Series champions. A 6-2 victory in Houston yesterday following a 7-2 win in Game 6. The first World Series effort where all seven road teams were winners. I mean, stunning. The Washington Nationals, what they did last night. We'll talk about that a little bit to round out the show. It is Tell and 2 102.9 ESPN Radio. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula Highway 83 and see online at kurtzpolaris.com. If you missed anything in the show, including our conversation with uh, former head coach of every team in America, Dennis Erickson, uh, <laughs> listen on the podcast. The podcast available uh, at, uh, all over wherever you get your podcast. The Two-Tel and nuanas podcast. You can search that thing out, get it, and uh, listen to it. It's brought to us by Gate by Wyndham Hotel. Also, check out the new episode of the FCS Speculators, FCS Speculators, a betting podcast It's out for you this week. Uh, you can enjoy that. If uh, you would like to listen live and you're out of market, maybe you are uh, you know, outside of the area where you can watch us on SWX television, maybe you're just in another country altogether, you go on the website, 1029ESPN.com. You listen on the stream, and it's there next Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. All right, Coulter. Uh, here's the thing. We've spent a lot of time talking about football uh, at the high school level and reasonably so. Playoffs begin Friday and bleed into Saturday as well. Uh, By the way, we love doing this around here. Now, we've had Joe the last couple of years bring in handwritten the entire mileage chart for the for the travel of high school playoff football across the state of Montana, all classifications, and it's remarkable. I saw a tweet the other day. I am sorry, I don't recall who was from. Said Tom he, Wiley. Oh, Tom Wiley. That's right, exactly. It was Tom Wiley uh, from up there in Great Falls, and he said uh, uh, the total mileage for one way for the one way trips of all classes in football would get you from, ironically, that it would be here, Seattle to Miami and back, and back to Miami again, 10,000-some miles. So it, uh, it, it's it's crazy. Uh, but anyway, we've been talking a lot of high school football, but there are other sports, specifically soccer and cross-country, who have had their state championships that we want to touch on. This is our Farmers State Bank prep extra segment. Go ahead, Colter. Tell them about it.
0: Well, in cross country, Bozeman High boys they won their 12th straight cross country title. It was actually a tie that, uh, in terms of the team scores with Missoula Hellgate, but then the uh, they ended up Bozeman ended up earning the tiebreaker. So 12 straight for the Hawks, which is amazing. And Bozeman High's girls had their streak of 12 straight, or excuse me, of 11 straight titles snapped last, last year, year right? by Missoula Hellgate, and they bounced back and get it this year too. So Bozeman High's Cross country team remains not only the elite program in the state, but also, I mean, a, a regionally elite. They'll, they will go on to the regional championships in Portland, and I mean, they will continue to churn out top level recruits. So, really impressive on their part. Soccer is uh, c- coming up to its Hellgate one. Hellgate boys won a uh, playoff game yesterday in Missoula to advance to their sixth straight state title mm-hmm. game. I mean, the, Bozeman and Hellgate are going back and forth in a lot of these that's sports. Right. Yep. Uh, Hellgate won three straight state titles and then lost last year to Bozeman, and now uh, looks like they're going to get a rematch with the Hawks in the Class of LA State Championship game as well. So uh, that is definitely big time. That'll be a, a cool matchup to to follow. Um, District Volleyball starts this weekend, so then next week will be the All-Class Volleyball Tournament in Bozeman, and that's always one of the great... Uh, events to watch you got all four classifications AA, A, B and C four courts going at once at Brick Breeding Fieldhouse and currently entertaining really really fun um, in the girls state AA soccer playoffs um going to be Billings West versus Billings Skyview. Skyview knocked out Bozeman in the in the semis with a 2-1 victory and uh gunning going for their second straight state title so there's a lot of a little mini or in the cross country case big dynasties that are no doubt. dominating in high school sports. And then the last little piece of high school news worth noting, Asher Croy, who was a standout at Huntley Project, he mm. was the son of Guy Croy. Guy, Croy, Guy, Guy Croy played for the Grizz in the 90s, and he was the head coach at Huntley Project for uh, many years, and then he resigned abruptly this summer. That's a whole different story. Uh, but then Asher decided to play his senior year at Bozeman. So he's the running back for Bozeman High. He's got the Hawks as the number one seed in the Class AA playoffs out of the East. And he committed to the Grizz last night. So uh, not necessarily stealing a Bozeman kid per se for Montana State. He's a a Huntley Project kid, but Huntley has gifted uh, Montana State with several good players in recent years. Taylor Deese was a great player for uh, the Rob Ash Bobcats. And Lane Sumner is a rising star as a running back. Uh, Coney Dole, who had a great story you know, playing on his cheetah blade a prosthetic leg for a couple years after suffering a horrific injury. Uh, that he's from Huntley as well. All three of those guys played for the cats, but now a Huntley kid coming to play for the Grizz. I know that's, you know, it's hard to say hotbed when you're talking about class B schools in Montana, but there is some schools that just produce a higher level of talent. So getting a Huntley kid back on the Grizz is a, is a good thing for Montana. Uh, I mean, Brian Waldhauser was a great player uh, for the Grizzlies, but last decade out of Huntley. So, um, Guy Croy, or excuse me, Asher Croy, following in the footsteps of his father, Guy, uh, will become uh, Montana Grizzly. I think this is interesting, though. This is the discussion I wanted to have with you briefly, is that Twitter has changed the game. It's changed everything. It's changed politics. It's changed sports media. It's changed college football recruiting. At Gus Tuttle, And some of these coaches use Twitter as a way to monitor kids, as a way, I mean, it's it's a direct look into As you know, Justin Green, recruiting coordinator from the University of Montana, he told us, hey, we look look at Twitter all the time. And if guys are tweeting stuff we don't like, unfollow, no recruiting. You can monitor just sort of the way a kid acts on a day-to-day basis. But these coaches, they use it in a variety of ways, too, to communicate, to monitor, but also to promote. And everybody has a social media department now with graphics and videos and all that stuff. And when Jeff Choate first got the head coaching job at Montana State, he was very active on Twitter. And Montana State's been sure to have specific hashtags for their program and for each season and and all that sort of stuff. I think it's a good way to touch base with the new age kids. But Choate used to always have a hashtag boom and and then a hashtag building in Bozeman every time. He was kind of the first domino when it came to recruiting. You, You see Choate, hashtag boom, and then... Shortly after, you'd always have the prospect saying, I'm so happy and blessed to commit to Montana State University. We haven't had a boom from Coach Choten quite some time and we haven't had very many out-of-state recruits that have been putting stuff on social media. And I've heard that through the grapevine that there's a handful of guys that are committed to Montana State. I've also heard there's a handful of guys that are committed to Montana, but the information is not out there like it usually is. I think it's an interesting dynamic because it seems to me, and this is just speculation, this is just my perception of it, but it seems to me that these schools, the high-level FCS programs, have been getting a lot of recruits. They're they're in battles with some low-level FBS schools, especially Mountain West-type programs, but also that the Twitter can be sometimes an alert for, when you, if you right. say a boom or all of a sudden now a kid says I'm committed to Montana State, now all of a sudden he might get a ton more attention from somebody else who's in the recruiting battle. And I think that, I don't know how much, how how truly valid this is, but I think a lot of times a lot of the recruits get quote-unquote stolen from Montana, Montana State. Bobby Houck talked a lot about how he had a whole bunch of guys on his board at San Diego State that, he couldn't convince the head coach or other coaches to offer. And then he gets to Montana, he offers them, and San Diego State comes in and offers them, and they stole some gas from him that first recruiting cycle. But I think it's fascinating that the way that Twitter has all evolved. But it also seems to me that the in-state kids are not under the same, for lack of a better term, gag order. They, they are allowed to, and in certain cases are encouraged to, tweet out, hey, I'm committed, because it, it, yeah. it is a domino in the in-state recruiting battle. So, I mean, what do you think, just of the way that all this Twitter is being used and and uh, the effects that it's having on the
1: recruiting game? No thoughts. <laughs> I pay no attention to the recruiting game. I wait till they're in the uniform, and then I go, okay, here we go. How good are you? Uh, the, the only thing that I don't... <laughs> the only thing that I am aware of when it comes to Twitter is the annoyance of kids tweeting out hashtag blessed about being recruited somewhere or getting an offer. Look, I mean, that's fine. That's all well and good. I'd be thrilled too. If I was 17, 18 years old, and got, you know, a division one offer to go play a sport or whatever it might be. That's all fine. But I'm just like, you know, okay. All right. You know, you haven't done anything. I don't need to see anything. That's why I hate high school sports on television. I don't think high school sports should be on TV. I don't care who's playing who. Maybe it's great for the kids. I'm sure they love the exposure of it. Just, Get them out of here. Let them do what they do when they arrive at the college level and they're actually playing meaningful Division One college sports, even Division Two, II, Division Three. Doesn't matter. Whatever NAI, all of it. Let let the high school kids do their thing. That to me is a hard line in the sand, and I don't I don't worry about any of the rest of it. If you're a coach, you certainly have to. Like what you're saying is completely valid. Where when guys are tweeting that oh I've been offered by Montana State or Montana, now all of a sudden you know maybe there's a a a, a Mountain West team that's had this kid on their radar, was kind of slow playing it, and finally goes, okay, no, 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 we'll we'll offer you now, and then all of a sudden that switches it up, so if you can keep it on the social meds DL, then maybe that doesn't happen. Um, At the same time, I mean, if you're in contact with a kid, you're going to tell me that you don't, you know, that he's not going to tell you that, oh, yeah, well, I I committed to Montana State. Like, if you're really on him in that way, I don't know. So it's, it's, it's a game. It is a game. That's it. It's an exhausting game at this point. Well, then let's move on. It's Tutel and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Hey, this has been our prep extra segment. It's brought to us by Farmers State Bank. Open an account online at farmersebank.com. We're stopping at one of their nine Western Montana locations to learn more. FarmersEbank.com. Farmer State Bank, your Montana bank since 1907. We'll take a break. We'll come back. The World Series, Thursday night football, college, and pro, all of it next. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure, am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web, we all know that's a fact, and in today's Always On World, your business demands a simpler approach to network security.
0: At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana.
1: They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state.
0: So ensure your company's network is online all the time.
1: For more information... Visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Coulter, we've got to talk about the World Series uh, last night, Game 7. The Nationals win their first ever franchise, uh, you know, World Series six to two in Game Seven. Obviously, the road team seven and zero in this World Series completely bizarre. There had never been six games won by the road team in the World Series to say nothing of obviously all seven games. Uh, Zach Granke was phenomenal last night; was in control and just mowing through the Houston Astros, or excuse me, mowing through the, the Washington Nationals for the Astros. Then gives up a home run and a walk, and he gets the quick, the quick hook uh, from from uh, from who is it? AJ Hinch. There we AJ go. Hinch. Thank you. I mean, you, you lose the World Series already, so out of sight, out of mind. But AJ Hinch, and I don't like. I think a lot of people, and I think rightfully so, are not criticizing him for that decision in that moment. As good as Grinky had been, uh, seven innings and into the seventh inning, but to not play Garrett Cole in that spot. And he never did get into the baseball game and end up giving up another home run and another run in that inning. And you're down. All of a sudden, you go from being up, you know, 2 nothing, and then 2-1 to being down 3-2. And that was the momentum swing. And then Washington tacks on a couple more late. Uh, a, a, a bit of a surprise. But also, to me, Max Scherzer, who could not dress himself three days ago and was forced to not play in a home Game 5 scenario of the World Series, comes out there, labored through the game, did not look like himself, gave up two runs early, but got into a whole bunch of trouble in inning after inning after inning, and got out of all of it, save for those two runs, and I thought even though Houston was up 2 nothing through the first six innings of the baseball game, the fact that they weren't up more, man, in baseball, that comes back to bite you. Like, you have to be the team that is able to capitalize when those opportunities are there. And Scherzer and the defense, I mean, Juan Soto making that catch out in uh, in the outfield, I think in the first inning to, or maybe the second to, to save, you know, several, a couple runs at least from crossing. Uh, those are all, they all get sort of mixed up in there. And all of a sudden you go, at some point you go, man, if Washington figures out a way to break through against Grinky, which they did, it might be curtains for the Astros, and that's exactly what it turned out to be, an unbelievable run for the Washington Nationals, and congratulations to them on a World Series victory. Steven Strasburg, your MVP.
0: That part put a, put a full-circle bow on the whole thing. Right. Because you get you don't get rid of, but you let your superstar the face of your franchise walk away in Bryce Harper. You have this other former phenom who was such a transcendent talent Who never really achieved the the true greatness that everybody thought he would, but then he is a part of pitching you to your first World Series title. I mean, this is a team, I think what happened was part of what people love about baseball and also Mm. part about what people hate about baseball. This is a team that was 19 and 31 at one point this year. This is a team that was by no means a shoe in for the playoffs, let alone uh, a dominant team in. The, the scope of Major League Baseball. Totally. And they got hot and they stayed hot and they rode it all the way to the World Series title. And I think it's what people love, but also what people hate because there was a lot of historically good teams. I mean, the Yankees hit the second most home runs ever and won 105 plus games. Houston won 107 games and they didn't win it. And so it's a huge testament to the Astros, no doubt. And there's so many cool stories on the Astros guys that are, you know, are playing. Toward the end of their careers, guys like Ryan Zimmerman, the first draft pick ever in Nationals history, but also guys like Adam Eaton, uh, guys like Rendon was, was also an MVP candidate in right. this thing. I mean, he, and
1: Juan Soto, who turned twenty one on. So Friday. I'm saying they got yeah, the bookend of this other
0: kid who's yeah. just a, uh, the newest phenom, and he turns twenty one, and I get to celebrate the World well, Series title. The other sort of
1: narrative to this whole thing is you lose slash move on from whatever Bryce Harper. And that's the year that all of, all of the underachieving turns into straight overachieving. Like nobody had the Nationals winning the World Series. I think a lot of people didn't have the Nationals making the playoffs. Totally. And then it goes to show you. You know, again, this isn't. I I don't know that anybody can or should read this as some indictment on Bryce Harper, but. It in baseball, you know, you okay. Like who are the best players in baseball? It's, it's been Bryce Harper and it's been Mike Trout. What have the Angels ever done? Like this would never happen in basketball. You got the best player, period. Not uh, maybe the best player in a generation, period. You, you don't have nothing to show for it as an organization. In baseball, it's 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 an individual game played by a team and it takes everybody to pull through in the right ways. And that's why every team that wins a World Series is so much more, I, want, I don't want to say luck, but things have to go so much more totally. right for any team than just having, quote, the best talent or whatever. Totally. And I, I,
0: the the notion that it is an individual sport played in a team sport is is accurate, but also there's the opposite side of it, which I think the Nationals personify this year. And it's that... Oftentimes, the teams that win at the highest level are the teams that are having the most fun. Right, and I think a lot of times when you have superstars, if you have a bunch of them, those guys are all living the same lives. So you can sort of ha- harness that element of professionalism, and you know we're here for business to, to attain this goal. But when you have, and when you take Bryce Harper out of the equation, and you have all all these guys that are sort of on their their last chances to do this thing, I mean, just the way that they celebrated, the way that they came together. The individual within a team sport is true, except for the fact that on a 25-man roster, everybody's going to get a chance. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to have the moment where the spotlight is on them. You never know when your number nine hitter is going to be up with in a crucial moment or when the game's on the line. You never know when your last, the last guy in your bullpen has to come in and get an out. Yeah, It's not like that's the difference. Like in the NBA... The the ninth man is never taking the, totally. the game winning shot. Kevin Durant is taking the game winning shot. LeBron James taking the game winning <laughs> shot. Right in baseball, it might be your number eight hitter up yeah. there. You know, it might be a guy who's coming in to face one batter, and that was what the Nationals were this year. Is they're a team that came together, and when you watched them down the stretch, and then through the wild card, and then through the playoffs. They were just having more fun than everybody else, and that's a huge accomplishment. When you talk about the Astros, have built this thing on fun and excitement more than any other team in baseball.
1: They have, and the Nationals beat them at their own game. It, 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 it. Uh, you know, the Astros in a, in a series is like you know who know in baseball. Who knows what's going to happen? The Astros are the best team in baseball. They're the best team in baseball. Right? They just didn't win the series against the Nationals because that's the way the circumstances sort of played out. So you tip your cap to them. There's nothing. I have negative to say about the Astros. That's one thing I like about this World Series is we can second guess AJ Hinch in the pitching and who he brought in or didn't or whatever. You're going to do that anytime you lose. Period. It's just going to happen. But there was no, oh, the Astros went out and blew this thing or lost the World Series. You just have to say good job, you know, congratulations to the Nationals for doing it. And when you talk about the team thing, I think this is also really important is that it seems like Everybody on the, the the Nationals has a role that they fulfill, not just as a player, but as a as a piece to a team, to a 25-person unit that they're all comfortable with. I mean, Max Scherzer is the veteran bulldog. Strasburg is the still veteran, but not as old as as Max Scherzer, but, you know, crazy talented pitcher. And then you have all the guys from the oldest player on the team in Ryan Zimmerman to the youngest guy in Juan Soto, and they can all sort of be grafted into this thing together, and they all know who they are and what they mean to each other within that. And it isn't, oh, these six superstars who are, you know, elevated up and above everybody else, and then kind of the rest of the guys trying to, you know, carry the the smaller bits around or whatever so I, I you know i don't know you sort of talk about this in retrospect it's easy to do but i do think that's a part of it and it clearly showed and and uh and then when it comes down to a game seven it's the beauty of a game seven it is what can't be replicated in any other game than a game seven is that anything can and does happen and uh and it was an absolute blast i was riveted to the to this game last night enjoyed it very much so interested to see what happens with the astros
0: Right, because this is a team that has such a great core, and they're all relatively young. I mean, out of all their dudes, Michael Brantley, I think is at thirty two, but everybody else, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, they're all un, they're twenty five to thirty, yeah. so they're in their they're in their primes, and it's another big difference in baseball. We we talk about you know spending money to win championships, and it's something that a lot of baseball purists don't like, but also you can have a core like this and you don't have to worry about wins. The, what's the timetable? I mean, mm-hmm. we saw the Golden State Warriors. They had an expiration date because there was going to become a moment where you have three dudes up for max contracts and you just cannot do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's not going to be the case with Houston. If they're willing to spend the money, which it seems as if they will be, They have a chance to keep this thing going. But also now, though, it changes the whole narrative of what they are. Because if they would have won their second World Series in three years, now all of a sudden you're talking about them in the upper echelon of teams at all time. And then they can make a run at a third and fourth year, third and four years, which puts you in one of the top 10 or 12 dynasties in baseball history. And that's what baseball has always been, is not just the one championship. The (laughs) Florida Marlins are remembered because of the fire sales, but that's about it. Right. It's when you have the runs like the San Francisco Giants where you you know you go three, three and, six and six years, or yeah, yeah. you have you know, you have three teams five. that win back to back like the Toronto Blue Jays or mm-hmm. three straight like the Oakland A's did in the seventies. That's where you sort of reach the hierarchy of baseball. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see because the Astros have a chance to keep this going. But will the
1: disappointment of the Game 7 loss impact? Who knows? Totally. Well, and the other question is the pitching because Zach Greinke's still on for a couple years, but he isn't the guy that he was, you know, even five years ago, even though he was in Game 7 that, again, consistently he's not. And he had a pretty darn good year this year, too. He won 18 games. Uh, But he's around, and that's good for the Astros, but Garrett Cole is now a free agent, and I think... Pretty likely not going to be back with the team, and Justin Verlander. I'm not sure exactly what his situation is there, but those, you know, it was it was both things, right? It was the starting pitching and the you know unbelievable offense that they had. So Verlander's on for a couple more years. Dave was telling us so. So he's still there. The issue though was was the bullpen. I mean, the bullpen was always the weakness of this baseball team, and uh, and they were so strong in the other dynamics that it, that they were able to overcome it. Uh, but, you know, at the end, ultimately, that is what sort of did them in. I mean, it was it was <laughs> the relief pitching that that lost the game, at, at least last night. But fun nonetheless. Two-Tail Nuwana's 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Happy Halloween to everybody out there. Hey, drive slow. The kids are out now. They're out there trying to get their baskets full. Okay, so just take it easy out there on the roads. It's cool. It's a little slick take a look by the way since we're in the uh, i I don't know what's going on i don't know if it's like new year's celebration or what it is but i know i know six people whose birthday is today so anyway david our producer happy birthday to david Graf in the back getting it done for us 24 years young today ooh, ooh. Super snapper Back there, doing it, putting all these great things together, including the speculators and a bunch of our guests. So we appreciate him. Happy birthday. Enjoy yourself. Watch out for the kids, David. Don't take the kids out on your big birthday run. Uh, Coulter, Thursday night, baseball's over. Football's on, buddy. The San Francisco 49ers, 7-0, undefeated, going into the desert to take on the Arizona Cardinals, who were... It- if if I if I'm right, they were they tied the first game of the year, then they lost their next three, I think, but have won three of their last four since then. I think they're three four and one on the season, and uh, they play San Francisco now. San Francisco, a ten point favorite in this game, obviously favored undefeated, and their defense. I don't I don't I certainly did not realize how good the San Francisco defense was going to be. I mean, I know you get Nick Bosa and you feel good about it, but they have been lights out defensively. They've also been adequate offensively, but but it's been the defense that's carried this team. I'm still... I am absolutely convinced. I'm 100% on board that San Francisco is a really good team. They're going to go to the playoffs. Wow. You are. You're 100% on board. That they're going to go to the playoffs? Yeah. Yes. They're 7-0. and I mean, they banked a bunch of wins, for sure. Okay. okay. No, you, but, you're, right, you're right. They're likely going to go to the playoffs. I'm not convinced yet that this is... That this is a Super Bowl contending team, Mm-mm. okay? And they have it's, and it's really all about the schedule. As good as they've looked, and they have looked great, they, you know, they have had not the most difficult schedule in the history of mankind when it comes and they have to have one of the easiest yeah, schedules. That in the is, league. that is what I'm saying.
0: I mean, their best win is probably against the Panthers, and the Panthers are
1: down... Panthers and Rams.
0: Who, by the names. way,
1: they. Destroyed. Oh, destroyed, I mean, 51, just a 13, ni- right. embarrassed Carolina. So I'm, I'm into it with the Niners. They are a very good football team. I expect them to win tonight. It would not shock me though if that didn't. I mean, Car- Car- the Cardinals are playing better. That's all I'm saying. The Cardinals are playing totally. better than they were at the beginning of this year. And I think this is a more interesting game than what you might think initially if you're talking about closes. I, I think San Francisco is going to be 8-0 coming out of this thing. I still don't think we're going to know a ton about San Francisco until they play the, the Seahawks twice and a couple other games they have coming up against some of the better teams in the NFL. And then we will see really like where this team is at. But Kyle Shanahan, how can you say anything but love him right now? I mean, he's, he's got that thing rolling, and that defense is just pounding, people. It's It's a fun team to watch.
0: Niners are 10-point favorites tonight. I would never touch that. I would take no. the Cardinals to cover that all day for multiple reasons. First of all, I think that there's just a chance to have a letdown after scoring 51 points at home. Yeah, against Thursday. The nights
1: a weird nights. Uh, yeah,
0: I mean, you score 51 at home against a vulnerable Carolina team. you got to go to Arizona, which is always a weird place to go to, weird place to play. And you're playing for a defense that only – or you're playing an offense, excuse me, you're preparing as a defense to play a pretty unorthodox offense that only has – less than 10 games of film out there on it. And you you never know what sort of wrinkle the Cardinals are going to throw out right. there. And it's Thursday, night, Thursday night games, so those are always weird too. So I yeah. would never touch the Niners. I agree, I think they'll move to 8-0 tonight. But I, I would take the Cardinals to cover that spread all day.
1: College football tonight, West Virginia at Baylor, a Big 12 matchup. Baylor's the number 12 team in the nation. Who saw that coming? boys and girls, we got that for you right now on ESPN Radio down there in Waco, Texas. So enjoy the game and uh, as you go around trick-or-treating, have some fun tonight. Stay safe, enjoy and take care of each other out there. It's Utah and the Juana's ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. I am Wreck-It Ralph. I'll see you in the street.